Get fired up for another episode of Real Deal No Sex Appeal. A constant barrage of eye-opening conspiracies and ad-libbed innuendo. With filthy mouths and bad attitudes. Featuring Chris. On the streets, he's known as a jackass. Also featuring Parker. Yes, there's no two ways about it. He's super white. And our special guest, Alex. No one knows what it means, but it's provocative. Entire production supervised by Bigfoot. Now, let's join the boys for their latest episode. Alright, we watched a Juneteenth movie. This is one with LL Cool J, so we're down with the cause. Uh, It's called Rollerball, and it's the good version this is one that Alex watched a while ago and said it was a future episode, and he was correct. <laughs> but at what cost? I'm right every once in a while. <laughs> oh, happy Juneteenth, happy Pride Month. Uh, June's almost over, I can finally stop kissing my boys goodnight. Just, it's been an exhausting 30 days, but we're going to make it. So many check-ins. Absolutely. <laughs> well, uh, before we get into Rollerball 2002, Parker, do we have any news? Are, are we gonna see the Barbie movie? <laughs> I don't. I don't know what this is. I I don't know anything about it. I'm almost. Uh, I'm almost curious about it, just the fact that I don't know what kind of movie this is. I don't know do if it's we, supposed to be. Do satirical. we have a runtime yet? Oh, that's a good question. I don't know if we have a runtime. No. I can't imagine it'd be two hours. Uh, nope. yeah, but it's 2022, and every movie is, so... Uh, well, we'll have to see. Uh, if this is satirical in some way, then, uh, I don't know, maybe I can get into it, but if they just try to play it straight with, like... I guess I always come back to, like, adaptation of something that came out years and years and years ago, uh, like the Flintstones movie. If it's like that, and they just try to do it, I have a feeling we will not be in theaters for that movie. Because I look at it, I'm like, there's no need for this to exist, why would I watch it? But I'm like... Directed by Greta Gerwig and written by her and Noah Baumbach? Like, there's there's something here. What, What is this? I need to see this in motion. I need a trailer. It could be an elaborate prank on us, but I don't know. It wouldn't be the first time. Yeah. Uh, any other news? Uh, probably. I don't fucking know. Okay. It was a holiday weekend. I've <laughs> worked six days straight and I'm tired. Well, uh, speaking of things we might not be in the theater for, and uh, in this case it's a movie we certainly will not be in the theater for, uh, I got pizza with Gabby today, and she said that she and her boyfriend watched Lightyear. And I was like, oh, condolences. And she's like, oh, you know, it was alright, but oh, so sick of the credits. And I was like, why didn't you guys just leave? But apparently, like, they were really, like, packed in there, like, sardines, so it was, like, kind of hard to, like, climb over other people. And everyone in the theater was insisted upon staying through the entire end credits. Look what Marvel has done to people. <laughs> Dude. And... If I were in theater that were genuinely hard to get out of because people weren't leaving during the credits, I'm just yelling fire. I, no, 100%. I, I don't care. I actually, like, there's no, you can't make me. I actually encountered something like that during one of the movies that I watched this week, and I made it a point to loudly and distractingly like climb over and past people in order to get out. Like I'm the way with end credits. I'm the way that you are with like movie trailers. I just don't want to see them. I don't care about the end credits. I don't care about mid credits. So speaking of the credits, here's what happened. Uh, she said first there was a mid credit scene and then there oh was an <laughs> then there was an end credit scene this is for Lightyear by the way there's an oh end God. credit scene then there's the Disney logo and then there's another end credit scene 
I no. that makes no. me like furious that I haven't even seen no. it. <laughs> the fact that this is their big return to theaters for Pixar. Absolutely fuck yourself. Yeah, exactly. Wait, this is Pixar? Yeah. Are you kidding me? Like Lightyear I was thinking about watching it. I opened up Disney Plus, I'm like, oh no, I'm not I'm not paying for this. I just I just assumed they let somebody else do it. Like why okay. No, they try to hold on to their intellectual properties. But uh yeah. So I, everything I've heard is not great. I'm not gonna ask my dad about it. <laughs> no interest whatsoever, and the nerve to be like, no, this one's not the uh, same day and date. You have to go pay money. It's like, I yeah, guess again. <laughs> All right, who are your jerks of the week? Oh fuck! I can't believe you've done this. Uh, mine will come up when I do my move. Hey, you know what? Fuck it. I'll do it now. I don't care. Um, my jerk of the week is Jeff Tremaine. Why the fuck is the elephant gun sketch not in Jackass 4? Right? It's so good. That's a, that's a strong what opening the for 4.5. I was fucking dying in a way that I'm not sure I laughed. I, I mean, I laughed hard at a lot of things in that movie, but I think the elephant gun thing got me harder than everything except for maybe Wee Man with the Bird. Maybe. <laughs> I don't know. It's close. Just, yeah, it's just the funny accents that they're doing during the elephant gun scene. It's funny. Enough. Exactly! Like, that's, that's what I'm here for! There's nothing I love more than stupid old-timey British accents while dudes are running around with a three-person gun wearing pith helmets. I'm so happy they dressed up for this. Justin Trudeau would be proud. Uh, my jerk of the week. You're gonna tell me they had a little bitty bulletproof vest for that monkey? And it still <laughs> dies. <laughs> I'm sorry. I, I, I'm trying not to laugh at like a living creature die, but like that that picture I, of it in heaven was one of the funniest things I've ever seen. That, that monkey got mixed up with a bad crowd, but it was because of his choices, just like Chappie. <laughs> That's monkey. Uh, first, I was upset, like. Bro, don't just put a picture of a dead monkey on my timeline. I'm at work. But then the little bitty vest. It looks like the fucking monkey It's so teeny tiny. And the fact that the monkey was involved in a shootout. And they had to prepare him just in case. So that monkey didn't have a gun. Didn't have any enhanced abilities and no physical mutations. What were you thinking was going to happen? I don't understand. You know, if that monkey were armed in a hallway with only one doorway, he would have had a fighting chance, you know? <laughs> I'm just saying. <laughs> Boy, every week a new story comes out about that, and every week I'm like, maybe maybe Texas isn't the place for me to live anymore. It seems bad. <laughs> you know, Shackman would have lasted a lot longer. <laughs> oh, Shackman would have cleaned that kid's <laughs> fucking clock. <laughs> Oh, he barricaded the door. Oh, did he? You hear that? <laughs> That's the sound of inevitability on the other side of that fucking door, my man. Oh, man. Well, uh, after all of that, uh, let's get into what we watched. Point of uh, self-flagellation here. I have a bad habit, or I used to have a really bad habit, of starting things and not finishing them, which is one of the reasons I didn't watch TV shows, because I would just watch a little bit, and then I'd be like, oh, I don't care anymore. I, I wouldn't finish it, and I felt like I didn't get the whole experience. So I've been trying to watch more complete runs of TV shows. Uh, I don't know, it just feels a little bit better when you like you get to complete it, and, you know. Uh, but that didn't happen with this one. I tried to watch the new, uh, I think it's on Hulu, it's uh, the FX Hulu thing. It's on uh, the Sex Pistols. It's just called Pistol. 
And this one is told from the point of view of, I believe his name is, I think it's uh, Steve Jones, uh, or whoever is the lead guitarist for the Sex Pistols. I'm terrible with names. It's written from his point of view, and I think it's based on a book he wrote of his experiences. I got through the first episode, and I don't know if I'm going to be able to keep watching this. I just found it really, really dull. Which is weird, because, like, I don't know if I'm a big fan of the Sex Pistols. I like some of their music, even though they were laughably untalented. But, I don't know, they were kind of compelling in a way. Uh, they There were some very interesting stories about them, and uh, I find them at least mildly interesting. Not in this telling of it. I thought it was really bad. It wasn't even like it was inaccurate. I couldn't even be like uh, someone who knows about the history of the sex was be like, oh, that didn't happen. That's not the way it was like. No, it's basically the way that it happened. It's just a kind of a boring way to tell it. Uh, one of the more embarrassing moments is where they play, uh, they, they play Wish You Were Here by Pink Floyd towards the end of the uh, episode. That has nothing to do with the Sex Pistols. I think the only reason they actually play it is they have a sneak preview of Johnny Rotten, the only really interesting member of that band, appearing and just glaring at the camera. And he was well known for showing up at uh, their hangout with a shirt that said, I hate Pink Floyd. I don't know why he played They also played Who Are You by The Who. What the fuck does that have to do with punk rock? I, I just I kind of thought it was really bad. I might get into the second episode just to see what they do with Johnny Rotten, but after that, I, I don't know, I just thought it was bad, so if you were thinking about watching Pistol, no one who's listening to this, then uh, I would say steer clear. This is the second TV show I started where I just kind of gave up because I was bored with it. I think the other ones were with the Wheel of Time. I didn't like that one either. Uh, the next one I'm going to talk about... That came out. What was it? Yeah, I, I didn't know I that came out. that came yeah. out. I remember hearing about it like three years ago. I was like, oh, it might be cool sometime. Just, just yeah, I think it came out uh, last month, actually. And no one's talked about it, and I think I can see why. Anyway. Uh, it was Father's Day on uh, on Juneteenth, and I called up my dad, and I was like, hey, Dad, would you like oh. to go to an Alamo movie party? <laughs> what do you think about all that? And about having to share his holiday. <laughs> <laughs> I should have led with that. I should have, yeah, that should have been it. I should have recorded that call, too. Uh, and unfortunately, he said no. I can only imagine my dad in a movie party. That would have been prime content for this show. But instead, he said he'd rather mow the lawn. So, I... Uh... <laughs> you know, I, I get it. Oh, I totally get it. I'm, I'm reaching the age now where I feel like I need something to mow, you know? And I don't even like mowing the lawn, but it's just like, God, I gotta, I gotta push something on some grass. Anyway, uh, so I went to the movie theater. I'm like, well, this is still a good movie. I would like to watch Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. Even if it's by myself, I'm sure I'll still have a good time. Now, I still don't really like movie parties as opposed to just getting to sit in the theater and watching the movie and people don't have some silly little toys. But the toys weren't even distracting. The only thing that was distracting was the guy next to me was doing the thing where it's he's saying the lines before the movie says them. And uh, you gotta kind of tell him to hey, shut the fuck up. But uh, Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade is still good. Uh, it still holds up. It's weird, though, to me because I feel like with the higher standards we have now for action movies and adventure movies, if it came out now in the current format, I think we'd be kind of kind of mean to it on the podcast. Uh, I don't think it it's quite as good as The Mummy, for example. But 
It does the humor very, very well. Uh, Harrison Ford and Sean Connery are a lot of fun. It's, I think it's just nice that Sean Connery gets to be old for a change. Because I, I remember when I first started like really watching movies, I saw a whole bunch of Sean Connery stuff. I was like, wow, that guy is really cool. He's really kick-ass. And this one, they finally let him be bald. They finally let him play like some doddering old man. And he's great in that. He doesn't have to do a whole bunch of action stuff. He's just great at that. He has some real comedy chops, too. He's... He's really fun. Everything in this movie is a whole lot of fun. It's a good adventure. It's it's well told. Uh, it is worthy of the Indiana Jones name, which I can't say about Temple of Doom. Uh, which I I still don't know how people like Temple of Doom. Maybe it's a nostalgia thing, but boy, I, I can't stand that movie. But if you haven't seen Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade, I'd say definitely check it out. I think it's really good. I don't think it's quite as good as Raiders of the Lost Ark, but uh, hey, not a whole lot of movies are. Now I got those two out of the out of the way for a reason. The movies that I watched this week follow something of a theme. Uh, Rollerball came out in 2002, and it was the first thing that I watched this week. And I thought, boy, I don't know if that, outside of the soundtrack, I don't know if it really feels like an early 2000s movie. So I decided, well, let's test that theory. I'm going to watch a bunch of movies and a TV show from the early 2000s, sort of put myself in the mood of what was 2002 to 2004, that sort of era. And my takeaway is... Well, outside the soundtrack, I still can't tell what year Rollerball came out. Uh, that could have been 1975 for all I know. But anyway, I decided, what's a great movie from 2002 that I haven't seen? How about Paul Thomas Anderson's Punch Drunk Love, starring Adam Sandler? I really, really like Oh, good. We both watched an Adam Sandler movie this week. Continue. <laughs> great. <laughs> I, I love Punch Drunk Love. I think this is very well done. I have to admit, I haven't seen a whole lot of Paul Thomas Anderson movies. I think that's a huge blind spot in my filmography. Oh, yeah. You should change that. Yeah. I, I, like, almost all of them are very Yeah, good. the ones I've seen are um, uh, There Will Be Blood, which uh, I really liked. And um, a whole bunch of other ones aren't coming to mind. Uh, but... This one I really, really liked. I will say it was uh, hitting a little too close to home. Have you guys seen Punch Drunk Love? It's been a while, yeah. but yeah. So Punch Drunk Love is... Uh, Adam Sandler plays a bit of an awkward guy. Uh, I have to admit, watching this, I only laughed once, and this is ostensibly a romantic comedy. Uh, I didn't really feel the humor. Maybe the humor doesn't translate from 2002 to 2022. Maybe 20 years is too much for it, but... I still felt good, and I still wanted to follow this character everywhere that he goes. He also he has rage issues, but you still feel like he's not going to take it out on Emily Watson. I mean, he specifically leaves to go to the bathroom to destroy the bathroom. Uh, the, the, where it hit too close to home is uh, he says that he wore a suit to work just because he felt like doing it. And I've done that before. And the suit that he wears is my exact same favorite suit combination, the blue suit with a purple tie. I love wearing that. And... Uh, Kind of felt like there was a camera inside my own apartment. Uh, it was good. I, uh, I had a good time. I like the story. I like the characters a lot. I think it's very well characterized. Uh, it has a line that stopped me in my tracks. I think it was a line that's like, I'm stronger than anything you could imagine because I have a love that gives me strength for the first time. Something along those lines. I was like, wow, that is, that's really, really good. So uh, as it turns out, Paul Thomas Anderson decent at making movies paul ws anderson maybe a little bit better but anyway uh yeah sorry i'm, I'm still i'm still hung up on the idea of psycho mantis watching you through the tv and be like ah i see your favorite suit combination <laughs> is blue and purple he's, uh, this is this is where you got all that pudding from 
I did think it was kind of cool how uh, that pudding story is actually based on a real story. Some guy calculated that uh, if you put the barcode on each individual cup, then you get more uh, airplane miles than you're spending on pudding. So I, how much did he spend on pudding? Like thousands of dollars, I, I believe. And then he never Same. had to pay for an airline ticket ever again. Uh, so Parker, if you ever want to fly out here, you should be good. Just make sure you pick up the pudding with the, uh, with the free miles. I think I can do it. Yeah. I believe in myself. Well, speaking of miles and speaking of believing in yourself, I watched Eight Mile, which came out in two thousand two. Oh, your dad must have been conflicted. Yeah. Well, there's uh, enough homophobia in this movie that he would have been Hell okay yeah. with it. <laughs> that is accurate. Uh, to the extent that it's like, okay, yeah, whatever. It's two thousand two. People are going to use the F word. Fine. Sure. Whatever. It's there's a little bit much in this one, you know. There's a there's an entire rap at their uh, factory that they work at in Detroit where they're just calling each other gay is a real term of uh you know bringing someone down i just thought geez is it really that big of a deal i don't know uh that being said i'd seen bits and pieces of eight mile before i had seen it once where i was at umd and i was taking an english class it was about shakespeare and i i was really enjoying it because i love shakespeare and i really like the teacher and uh we were reading Henry the Fourth, Part One, or Henry the Fifth, or something like that. And she's like, "Oh, this has been depicted in movies every, every few, so often and stuff." And she's like, "You could even see bits and pieces of this and stuff like Eight Mile." And she showed bits and pieces of Eight Mile that reflected those Shakespearean works. I was like, "Wow, that's uh, that's kind of interesting. I can I can see the parallels." The other time was uh, when I broke my hand when I was in like. Uh, it was in eighth grade and i went to the hospital i was in the children's ward and they were playing eight mile on the tv <laughs> oh hell yeah dude <laughs> i think it was the only thing i felt like watching too because everything else was just like there was nothing for a 13 year old to do in the children's ward i my hand was broken so i couldn't play game boy or anything like that all the books they had were like sesame street and mercer mayor things that was the longest fucking wait you just look up on this eight mile and it's like oh cool it's a britney murphy scene oh great now it's time for the x-ray thanks uh, speaking of Brittany Murphy, she is a treat in this. I love seeing Brittany Murphy in things. I love hearing Brittany Murphy in things. I think she's very, very uh, good at acting, and uh, I miss her. As for Eminem's performance in this, I'm, I'm not sure. I think he's very good at acting with his face, but as far as acting with his voice, it feels like there's something lacking there. I'm not really sure how to get that across. I know the movie is semi-autobiographical. It doesn't talk about everything, but... Uh, it, for the for the story that it tells, I think it's pretty well told. I don't I don't think this movie is like spectacular or anything, but I can tell that a lot of hard work went into this, and you can really tell uh, Eminem's talent is on the screen, especially that final rap battle. Is like, man, that guy is just really good at the art of rap. And for all the people out there, my dad, who say that like rap doesn't take any intelligence, rap stupid or whatever, like I, it feels like there's something in my mind that like you can't be that stupid and come up with those kinds of rhymes that quickly. Like it's just really impressive to me. So uh, I, I don't know. I, I had a pretty good time with Eight Mile. I didn't think it was awful. Uh, Parker, have you seen Eight Mile? Shockingly, no. <laughs> oh, wow, really? Yeah, I am surprised by yeah. that. Me too. Yeah. I felt like everyone had that DVD growing up, except for me. I, like, people love that movie. There are a whole lot of guys in my neighborhood who are dyeing their hair, not blonde, but, like, yellow, because they loved Eminem so much. And I don't know what happened to them. One of them died. Uh, one of them lost his eye. One of them dropped out of high school. And one of them is already yeah. as a trucker now. So That checks out. Yeah. Well, uh, 8 Mile. Very inspiring if you want to do raps. Uh, the next movie is the one I warned Parker about off mic. Uh, this is the one where uh, he gets to laugh at me. Uh, 
Parker, for all the movies on the list that I've seen, for some reason you've never told me to avoid Eli Roth. Yeah, sorry, man, that's on me. <laughs> well, uh, how dare you, Parker? You know, that's the thing. Is like I've seen how many Eli Roth movies I've seen. I saw obviously I saw Knock Knock. Most of them, it seems yeah. like. Yeah, it yeah. feels like most of them. Yeah, I saw Knock Knock. What's even was left? I saw. Have you not seen? But I had never seen Cabin Fever. Which oh, uh, I just assumed you had. Yeah, uh, I I had never seen it, and I decided, well, this is the one where he got all those years of goodwill, right? This is the one that catapulted him to fame, and it's next on the list. So let's put it. And it's also from two thousand two. So put yourself in mindset. Well, first things first. Boy, again with a homophobia. It it is getting to be a bit much, <laughs> you know. <laughs> Like, I actually think the homophobia in this movie is somehow worse than it is in 8 Mile. The two scenes in particular. Well, one, uh, the grand jackass of all time is in this, and he's technically, I think, the only smart person in the movie. He brings a rifle along with his friends to the cabin in the woods to shoot some squirrels, and they're like, oh, why do you gotta kill a squirrel? He's like, because they're gay. And they're like, like, what? What do you mean? He's like, oh, I'm just kidding. I'll shoot them even if they're not gay. I don't care. So I'm like, oh, Okay. Only 89 more minutes. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, Rose McGowan. I think Is that Rose McGowan in this one? Or is it someone else? I think it's Rose McGowan. I, I, the only person I remember is Sean from Boy Meets the World is the main character. Yeah, he's he's in there, and he's flirting with the blonde girl who... I don't know if that's an early Rose McGowan or, or something. Anyway, he's flirting with her, and uh, they're lying on a raft in the middle of the river like sun tanning, and she's like kind of flirting with him, and they share a kiss, and she jumps in the water to like swim away. And he's like, oh, I, I thought we were kissing. So it's just like Johnny Bravo-level dialogue here. And she's like, come on, chase after me. Don't be a faggot. And I'm just like, what the fuck is this? Why, why are we talking like this? And I, I don't know. I kind of get the feeling that Eli Roth was at least homophobic back in 2002. I don't know. Maybe it was just like, oh, no, I'm just doing like I'm making them out to be like shitty teenagers. So when they get killed, you're like happy for it. But, I definitely never talked like that in 2002 <laughs> or 12 or 20. There's like, no evidence still remaining on the internet. There's Hopefully. no way Microsoft is recording those Halo games. Right. Well, um, oh my God, it's my biggest fear in the world. <laughs> 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 it keeps me up at night. So here's the interesting thing about Cabin Fever. I did not hate this. I, I thought this was actually kind of decently well done. And in fact in a way was kind of impressive because you could tell this was not made for very much money and the special effects work really well uh such to the point that it it, it was almost weird like knowing what eli roth is known for and all the gore and all the un- the discomfort of watching things and there's a couple scenes like that but this movie is relatively very restrained in a good way and in a very realistic way, one of the sound guys who was working for this movie actually had one of these skin diseases that is uh, depicted. And uh, I, it, it looks like an actual skin disease. It doesn't look like, you know, body parts fucking falling off or whatever. The main thing that everyone remembers is the girl has a skin disease and decides it's a good, it's a good time to shave her legs, even with the rash. Wow. Which, uh, yeah, I admit it's a tough scene to watch, but it's maybe the only one in the movie that's really hard to watch. That being said, it gets a little silly for me. When that little redneck kid jumps off the bench and starts doing yep. karate kicks, <laughs> he starts doing yep. karate kicks and yelling about pancakes, and then he just bites the guy. I'm like, what are we doing here? You had like a cohesive movie. You were doing something, and it was it's something that actually kind of almost applies to, to today with COVID about a uh, a very very contagious disease and the fear that that brings. I 
I don't know. I, I thought... It, also, the ending was kind of weird. They just start singing a redneck bluegrass song or whatever. Uh, I I don't know. I, I thought the ending was kind of weak. Overall, it's not something I'd ever watch again, because uh, why would you need to? But it was kind of interesting. Eli Roth made a movie that was merely mediocre instead of god-awful. So, uh... Yeah, I'll never watch it again. It's fascinating just because it's very clear that, well, I'll never get to make a second movie, so I'm going to put literally every movie scene I've ever had in my head onto this <laughs> script. It's like, I think it'd be funny to have this redneck kid jump up and do a bunch of karate kids. It's just going to happen in this movie. So it's kind of interesting from that point of view of someone just really trying to take advantage of their one shot, but yeah, I don't think I'll ever go back. Uh, next one I watched was actually my favorite thing that I watched all week. I watched a movie called Shattered Glass. This stars uh, Hayden Christensen, and um, one of the, I think it was Peter Skarsgård, is in it. And uh, this is about Stephen Glass, who is one of the writers for The New Republic. The story of Stephen Glass is one of the most infamous ones in journalism. Stephen Glass was, uh, I almost know, do you guys know who Stephen Glass is? Yes. Okay, that's one. Parker? Uh, it sounds familiar to the internet. I kind of I, I don't want you to to know before you go in because i do highly recommend this uh i i watch this and of course i know who stephen glass is because you know i went to journalism school and stuff you got to know that uh so upon watching this i know what the story is about and how it's going to proceed and stuff and i was shocked because i was i was watching it i was like wow this would be fantastic if i didn't know who stephen glass is it's still really good even knowing who he was but if i didn't know Boy, it is, uh, it is really fun to watch. So I would highly recommend this to both of you and everyone who's listening to this. Uh, it's very well acted. It's, it's especially fun with like Hayden Christensen knowing who he was in 2002. Like He had just made uh, Star Wars Episode Two, right? And uh, he was a bit of a teen heartthrob, but when people saw him in uh, Star Wars Episode Two, they were just like, oh, this guy is terrible at acting, blah, blah, blah. Hank Christensen's a pretty good actor. I'm going to give him some credit. I I don't think he delivers the lines well in Star Wars Episode Two, but who could? You know, they're they're not very well written. He's great when he's just silent, when he's just acting with his with his face. He's really really good at that. And in Shattered Glass, he can do both very well because the lines are very very well written. And when he's just acting with his face, he is spectacular. Uh, this is very well shot, very well edited, uh, very well filmed, and almost no one talks about it. I think this is one of the best movies about journalism that I've ever seen. It's up there with uh, uh, Good Night and Good Luck. I think this is even better than All the President's Men. I, I, I love this movie. I think that it's uh, one of the more underrated movies of our time. All right. Uh, one last good thing before I watch the two shitty ones. I watched the first two seasons of the... The Cartoon Network show Justice League. These came out in 2002, 2003, right around then. That is about when I just kind of stopped watching TV. I think the only times I ever watched TV was if I was watching football or if like, or if I was watching 24. Other than that, like I, I just, you know what? That's fair though. <laughs> yeah, well, I, mean, I was not, there. I remember. Yeah, am I not going to watch 24? What are you out of your mind? <laughs> if Duo's listening to this, he called me a liar because he knows that he and I were big into the 24 in those days. I don't think I missed an episode of 24 for like six seasons, dude. Like, same, it was, yeah. Like up viewing in this household. <laughs> Maybe you had like Psycho Manus's camera in my bedroom. You were just like, oh man, <laughs> check this out. <laughs> it was a party watch with you and my family. Yeah. Ah, I see that you suspect Charles Logan is the traitor. <laughs> Man, yeah, 24 is, you know, 
less about that. Uh, yeah, probably Justice holds League. up, right? Probably pretty good. <laughs> I, <laughs> yes. So let, let me be very simple in saying this because I watched a little bit of it fairly recently. It holds up so much better than you could possibly imagine. Oh, oh I yeah. bet. I, I know what that means. Too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like the only kind of person that would watch Twenty Four now and like not get anything out of it is the person who would be mad about the politics, and that person's not on this show because that person's too much of a loser to talk to people or have friends. So yeah, you know. Yeah. So uh, that's the thing. I think you, I never remember like John. Bois. I didn't even watch Twenty Four. I don't know what I'm talking about. John Bois, the the guy from like Sports Nation or whatever, makes all those like really good sports videos. He had this thing about Twenty Four a while ago, where it's like it's entirely like you know politically incorrect or all this other stuff, or whatever. And it is so eminently watchable. It is so fucking good. And if you miss any of it, you're totally missing out. And I was like, yeah, I, I can see that. All right, so uh, back to Justice League. Justice League was created by Bruce Timm. Uh, he's the same guy who made Batman the Animated Series and Superman the Animated Series. Cartoon Network is like, okay, those are both really good. Can you make Justice League for us? So I'm going to get to the good stuff first. Justice League is a good show. This is very well done. I was almost surprised by it. Uh, the characters, the character designs are great. I'll look at almost anything that Bruce Timm draws because he's just very good at art. Uh, the storylines are shockingly emotional at times. I, here's one I never expected. There is an emotional death scene. People are crying over the death of Solomon Grundy. I mean, <laughs> for different reasons, but I would be too. Yeah, I mean, I didn't expect anything like that to happen. Like, people care about that. He's like the requisite dumb guy. He speaks to the third person and everything. Also, I thought his power was that he comes back from the dead. <laughs> <laughs> he freezes to death because he doesn't have any pants. <laughs> I I thought that was I thought that was the thing, but uh, I I don't know. It was good. The ending of the second season is really bittersweet. Uh, I I didn't know that I'd get so attached to these characters, uh, which is weird because I think Parker. I think I remember when we talked about the Justice League animated show. You said that I probably wouldn't have a very good time with it because it gets a little too. I don't know. It focuses maybe too much on action and maybe too much on like superpowers and stuff like that. I don't know. Well, Instead you'll get there when you get to Unlimited. Yeah, I know. I am kind of interested in Unlimited, because Justice League was pretty good, and, you know, we'll see. And I think Unlimited is just supposed to be like, okay, now we're going to do a whole bunch of superheroes There's and a whole so bunch of different many. things. There's I'm like, so many. That's interesting, you know? The thing is, the first two seasons, at least, were really well done in establishing the storyline, and you can see the development of the characters and their chemistry that works over time, and uh, I happen to really like that. Now, as for the downsides, this isn't as good as Superman the Animated Series, and it's nowhere near as good as Batman the Animated Series. It goes to show that those better shows, especially Batman, like Superman to a lesser extent, but Batman in particular, was made by a team of people. It wasn't just Bruce Timm, it was Paul Denny was in there, and uh, whoever was doing the music and the sound effects and the background art and, the, and all the other stuff, that all matters, and it's really important. And I understand that they had to like simplify the character designs and everything because it's easier to animate, but... I mean, there's almost no comparison. Batman's just better. And not just because, like, oh, I like the superhero better, which I, I guess I do, but it's more so the storytelling. They, they tell better stories in Batman. They are better written, far, far better written than they are in Justice League. Paul Dini gets one episode, one standalone, the only standalone episode in Justice League, and it's a Christmas special. And it's kind of like a, a joke thing. And uh, I think I would have liked a little bit more than that. I think he's one of the best writers for comic book adaptations alive today. Uh, that reminds me, uh, uh, Parker, have you read uh, his his comic book that he released about the time he got assaulted, uh, Dark Knight? 
No, I can't say that I have. All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna mail that to you. You need to read that. It's okay. really really good. Send uh, me comics. I will. I'm gonna do that. Uh, so I, I don't know. It's like it's definitely a disappointment after all that. But uh, overall, uh, I liked it a lot more than the next thing I watched, which was Gothica. <laughs> now, Alex, I completely forgot about the time that you watched Gothica. I I think it was the other Alex brought it up, and she's and she said, "Oh yeah, Gothica. I've I've heard about this." I think right as soon as I heard the name, I was just like, "I know that's on the list, so I might as well watch this." <laughs> oh my god! I guess really like if Alex has already talked about, it, I don't want to beat any uh, dead horse. It was like done. four years ago, dude. A You're long fine. Time ago. I'm gonna say. The one that I know I have to retread is the end credits music. (laughs) That's got to win the biscuit for funniest end credits music of all time, right? It's so fucking jarring. It seriously (laughs) is, dude. (laughs) Like, as soon as I heard it, I was like, no fucking way. (laughs) There's no fucking way. I don't think it has anything to do with the movie either. Nobody knows what it's like. <laughs> it, it's it's funny enough that that cover exists, but just like to be like, yeah, that's the one we need. Lip Biscuit's real hot right now. Let's put it at the end of our psychological thriller with Ali Berry. Yeah. Like, oh. <laughs> what a choice. Ludicrous. Thank you, whatever studio that was. Uh, for what it's worth, Halle Berry uh, turns in a good performance. I think she's all right. For I, once, yeah. yeah. I like. She's actually pretty good at it. Yeah. I like I like Charles S. Dutton's voice. I every single time that he opens his mouth, I'm like, damn, I love listening to this guy. We need to give him more roles. Uh and Brad as well, I guess, because uh, he plays an obese man very, very well. He looks better in a suit than I do. And Adam Sandler to a lesser extent. Uh yeah, I think the story's really stupid, uh, like alarmingly so. I, I think that the the whole haunting as soon as you get supernatural in a movie, I kinda check out a bit. Like, I just, I don't know, I, I'm not very good at suspending my uh, disbelief or something like that. Because I really thought they were going to go somewhere, it'd be a mystery, like, oh, someone's controlling it and stuff like that. But then it's like, oh, the ghost is trying to show you what actually happened. Did not work for me. Uh, not as much as, like, Stir of Echoes did, I guess. But, uh, yeah, I would say stay far away from Gothica, except no, you got to listen to the end credits song. <laughs> you, you just listen to that song on YouTube. <laughs> yeah, just you just know? listen to that. Yeah, just just get on get yeah. on YouTube yeah. and look up Limp Bizkit yeah. behind blue eyes, and you're good. Yeah, like, that's that's the one you got to hear. Uh, the The rest of the movie is just not very good. I, you know, that's the thing is I, I dated a couple goth girls growing up, and I wonder if Gothica would have meant anything to me. Probably not. Apparently, Gothica is a real thing. I think I looked it up on the IMDb trivia, and it's like when someone buys into their own delusions or something like that. I, I don't know. I don't remember what it is. But I I have a feeling it was just chosen for the title. This is not directed, by the way, by the director of Amélie. This is directed by uh, the guy who did La Haine, a French crime movie that I thought was very, very boring. So, uh, not sure how he got Gothica, but uh, now it's his. And uh, just like I said, everyone had a DVD of 8 Mile. The other DVD that I remember everyone had was iRobot, which I had never seen. Oh, buddy. Yeah. So, so <laughs> weirdly enough, at, well, it came out in 2004, so it was an early thing, and I was just, I, I don't know, I guess I was kind of curious. I was, I, I don't know, I had never seen it, right? And uh, I, I know about uh, Isaac Asimov wrote the original like series of things. I don't even know if they're like real stories. They're more like logic problems, you know? And uh, 
they, it's not really based off his work. Uh, it is to an extent they do steal his uh, his his uh, what was it the, the three laws of robotics? Uh, can't kill a human. Got to keep yourself alive. And um, I don't know what the other one. Fucking stupid. And it also obviously steals his title. But other than that, it's just its own movie that it's trying to make. And as it turns out, this is one of the most boring, predictable, uh, formulaic movie I have ever seen. It's it's so by the numbers. I guess you guys have both seen iRobot? Probably. Like, I'm actually not sure. Yeah. yeah. I have a feeling, Alex, this is one that you would despise. I think that you would view this movie with a lot of contempt because a lot of work went into this, a lot of money went into this, and it turned out something that it's as predictable as the fucking sun rising. It's it, it's almost annoying. Oh, so just like Knives Out. Uh, oh yeah, just like that. <laughs> I will say that one thing that iRobot has going for it that's like actually good is Will Smith. Will Smith is trying really, really hard in this. He's doing his damnedest to try to make this a real enjoyable movie. And I could see if people enjoyed it for that reason, if nothing else. But everything else about the movie is so disappointing i mean the the basic twist of the movie is like it's basically like terminator like oh the robots have decided that we are too violent for ourselves we have they have to kill them. like everyone saw that coming the, it was the main ai that evolved beyond our capacity and it started taking over it's like i as soon as i saw the ai i was just like well that's a bad guy that's it, it's, i don't know it's just disappointing i was really hoping that this movie would surprise me in some way and it doesn't some people have said that the special effects do not age well uh I guess they don't, but I'm really good at putting myself into 2002, 2003, 2004, sort of thinking what the effects should have looked like, considering the budget that they had. They look fine for 2004. It's not a big deal. I'm not going to get on this movie's ass for that. Uh, I just think that it's boring. It could have been a lot better. I have here uh, a screenplay for iRobot based on Isaac Asimov's work. It's even got illustrations in it. It's got like some really great stuff. And it's, it's, you know, it's a full script. It tells you how everything ought to proceed. This is really good. I think that iRobot could be really well made. I think that we could do a good movie with that. Something better than this. So, I found it very disappointing. But uh, I talked too much. Uh, Alex, what you watch? Okay, so, interestingly enough, uh, a lot of the things I watched followed a similar theme of time, uh, like, time frames in terms of when they came out. But uh, kind of for different reasons. So, uh... I don't know, lately, last few months or so, I haven't been watching a ton of movies. Like, I just, I kind of, just kind of felt like in a rut with watching stuff. And, like, you know, it's, sometimes it just takes, like, one really good movie to get you, like, back, back in and be like, oh, yeah, that's right, this is why I love this medium. Like, this is why I want to go out and watch so many things. And, like, I know I gushed about Miracle Mile last week, but that movie kind of did that for me this week, where I found, like, I wanted to spend a lot more time just watching things. But, like... Because I'm, like, pretty analytical about myself, I was trying to think of, like, what it was that was, like, making me not really that interested in movies. And I think, like, I, I know this is, like, a tired thing for me to say, but, like, I was just so tired of spending, like, two and a half hours on everything I wanted to watch. It was exhausting. It felt like I'm losing, like, half of my free time for the day to watch something. And, like, so I'm like, you know what? I'm going to keep it simple. I'm going to watch things that are, like, in that... 85 to 95 minute range this week and with one exception that's everything i watched um and also with the exception of jackass 4.5 which i don't really need to add anything on about because you know you guys have kind of touched on that and it's jackass movie like i'm just gonna tell you the jokes that are in it like everything i watched is like 
came out between like the mid 80s and like the mid 2000s so um i'll go ahead and start with one that's from 2003 to kind of keep your steam going have either you guys ever seen 11 14 no i've never even heard of it yeah i don't think i've seen so 11 14 is like this simple little movie that came out it's like a it's like a black comedy where like it's like an ensemble cast and like it's these like five storylines are like happening simultaneously and they all like culminate at 11:14 p.m. and like it's kind of silly but there's like a lot of like interesting famous people in it and the performances are good and like it's not, you know, a movie where you're sitting there scratching your head trying to figure out what happened. It's the kind of movie where a dude's dick gets sliced off in the side of a van door and they have to go back to try to find it and then they fight with Patrick Swayze because he's looking for his daughter because he thinks his daughter murdered somebody. And, like, it's... I can't... Like, I, it would be doing a disservice to the movie to say more about it. What I will say is it's it's well-made, it's entertaining, and it's, like, 84 minutes. And, it, and, like, if you're looking for something, like Chris said, that, like, is in that, like, early 2000s movie vibe... Now, there's not, like... The, the soundtrack's not doing any heavy lifting here. I think this movie was made for, like, $5 million. So I don't think they were going out and paying for Limp Bizkit. But, uh... Like, it, it's... It's just, like... You can tell it's, like, a small movie. And, like, I thought that was really interesting. Like, it wasn't really trying to be more than it was. And, like, I, I critics apparently really liked it at the time. And it got, like, a super limited theatrical release. Because, I don't know, distribution or fucking whatever. I don't know how this industry works. But, uh... Yeah, worth an hour and a half of your time. Like, pretty solid movie. Uh, let's see. What else we got here? Oh, uh, good news. I watched an assignment this week. Oh, what was the occasion? Um, uh, <laughs> it was from the mid to late 90s, and the runtime was 84 minutes. So, uh, I want to say Parker's the one that assigned me Bulletproof, but it could have been either of you. It sounds like Parker. Uh, well, for those unfamiliar, this is a, uh, a movie that starts off with, uh... One of the Wayans brothers and Adam Sandler as, like, partners in crime, but actually the Wayans is an undercover cop, and, like, the they, they become, like, good friends, and, and like, when Wayans says to take him in, I'm sorry, I can't, I can't remember which one it is, I feel bad about it, so I'm just gonna call him Wayans. That's fine, but... that's fine. <laughs> I do the um, same thing. Uh, but, like, when it's time to take him in, he's like, no, 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 like, like we're friends, like, you guys can't shoot him, like, you can't shoot him, like, I know he's this criminal or whatever, but, like, 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 let me take care of this. Well, long story short, during the big, like, you know, showdown with the police, like, a crane operator gets shot and, like, punches, like, his, like, crane forward and it hits Adam Sandler in the back of the head and Adam Sandler ends up shooting the Wayans in the head. So then he wakes up in the hospital and he's like, oh, I gotta get revenge on that guy. And, uh... But it, 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 like, Adam Sandler's just trying to, like, make things right with his buddy, and, like, they get sort of, like, waylaid, and there's, like, a drug dealer chasing them. They're, like, cut off from everything. It's, like... So... Okay. Let, let me put it this way. Like, 90 seconds into this movie, they're, like, driving, they're running away from the cops, and a cop stops them, and, uh, uh, Wayans' way of improvising to uh, get out of the situation is to tell the cop that he's taking his retarded brother to Disneyland, and then looks over at Adam Sandler, and then Adam Sandler has to pretend to be retarded. Um, you know, very mid-90s, but, uh, it's, it sets you off on that note. Uh, as, uh, as I'm sure you guys are familiar, um, you know, the, the tent scene in Austin Powers. 
with all the, the, the things in the shadows. Very, very well done scene. Everybody would agree that that scene is, like, pretty fucking funny. Like, no matter where you're at in terms of, like, whether you appreciate, like, highbrow or juvenile humor, it kind of hits all the boxes. Whereas in this movie, you have Adam Sandler covered in soap, drops his soap out the window, and just starts yelling, Ow! It's in my ass! Like, it's, uh... Uh... Not exactly the most subtle of movies. Um... This movie is one of the most incomprehensible things plot-wise I've ever seen. Like, the entire, like, thing that gets, like, the plot moving after all the stuff that I just said is, like, hey, we, the cops, have caught Adam Sandler, but he's only gonna let you, Wayans, take him in. Like, I don't think that's how anything has ever worked. But, uh, I mean, whatever. Um, it's a mid-90s Adam Sandler movie where there's, like, a little bit of action and it's under 90 minutes. It's fine. It's perfectly acceptable. It is nowhere near as good as the good Adam Sandler movies, but uh, I wasn't mad at any point that I was watching it. Also, let me just say, this movie is directed by Ernest Dickerson, friend of the show, who has done, I think, three movies that we've done episodes on. Really? Such as uh, the the one where Ice-T is being hunted in the most dangerous game, Hell yeah, and uh, uh, that other Ice-T movie that I assigned to Parker. Um one of them anyway uh but yeah it's like a he's like a real director like and there's you know real people in this movie and it's not the most offensive thing i've ever watched and that's way more words than i expected to say about an adam sandler movie from the 90s but uh yeah here we are so i can check that one off the list um what else we got here oh <laughs> speaking of the uh the early 2000s vein of movies um you guys remember a movie called Cellular? Oh, I remember reading about it. Oh my goodness. <laughs> Parker, have you seen this? Um, let me look this. I definitely remember this. I don't know if I finished it though. Oh no, I did not finish this movie. <laughs> I looked at that cover, I was like, no, I got about 20 minutes. <laughs> Alright, so let me give you the setup for cellular here. So we have two plots that are that are, you know, swiftly gonna converge. One of these plots is that Kim Basinger gets kidnapped from her house by Jason Statham with hair and his dirty cop friends. And they take her to, like, some fucking remote barn where they're holding her hostage for reasons that we don't know yet. The other plot is that Chris Evans, in what might be his first starring role ever, is trying to get back with his ex-girlfriend by showing that he's not a dickhead, despite still being a dickhead. So he agrees to run, like, all these chores for her to, like, help save the environment. Well, anyway, back at uh, the uh, the Jason Statham uh, kidnapping house, uh, we have a scene where Jason Statham beats the ever-loving dog shit out of a landline phone. But Kim Basinger is resourceful and manages to like put it together just well enough to let it make one outgoing call to what is basically a random number, which ends up being Chris Evans' shitty 2004 Nokia cell phone. Yes. Uh, so the entire plot of this movie is... Kim Basinger on the phone with Chris Evans as he goes around trying to, like, save her and uncover the mystery. There's all sorts of people in this movie, like, uh, other than, you know, those that I've just mentioned. Like, Jessica Biel's just, like, hanging around for two scenes. The, uh, the one non-dirty cop in this movie is played by William H. Macy with a Tom Selleck mustache, Holy which is shit. a hilarious thing to look at. Why didn't I finish <coughs> this? So... Like, this is, it's a stupid movie, it's pretty simple, but, like, 
it's one of those that's like stupid in a way that's like actually really really fun because basically the entire movie is like all of these problems that people thought they might have with their cell phone back in 2004 and like the ways that they manifest on screen this movie's called cellular for a reason and it's that like all of the plot points are like oh no i can't drive into this tunnel i'll lose reception Oh no, the, my call has been scrambled up with another call, and now there's some douchebag lawyer yelling at me to hang up. <laughs> like, it's all dumb shit like that. Like, ringtones feature prominently, uh, somebody being caught off guard by somebody's cell phone having a camera features prominently. Um, literally every possible, like, early cell phone era gag you could possibly come up with is in this. And for that reason, it's like... Watching this is almost, like, the same as, like, reading about Y2K now, where it's, like, I can't believe they thought all of these dumb things were true, but, like, if you were there, you remember thinking all of these dumb things about cell phones were true, um, and, uh, I I thought it was worth a watch, um, especially if you're looking for something from specifically that period of time, like, again, this movie, it's not good, it's not reinventing the wheel, but it's like a fun maybe 95 minutes like it's i i feel like parker this is the kind of movie that like if you just put on at like a party like people would end up watching it 20 minutes in because they'd have to see what was gonna happen to chris evans shitty nokia phone um also the end credits of this movie all show up as text messages on one of these said phones like all of the names and stuff and uh they really leaned into it. I wonder how much the cell phone companies put into this one because uh, I am, it was. Uh... I'm watching this. <laughs> I, I don't know what would. happened that day that I didn't finish it, but <laughs> we're gonna right these wrongs. Yeah, uh, uh, you you would enjoy yourself. Um. All right, just two more here. So I had uh, the good fortune of handing over the remote to the missus earlier and ending up watching something good that I hadn't seen in a long time. Uh, how long has it been since you guys have seen Small Soldiers? Oh my god. You know what's very, weird? Very, very long time. Is I checked Letterboxd and it says I haven't logged it. And uh, Really? Which is weird because I know I've seen this. It's by the guy who did uh, who did Gremlins. Yeah. Yeah, it's got... Uh, is that Kirsten Dunst in it? I don't remember. It sure is. I don't know how... Dick Miller's in it. I remember that. And uh, I, I think I actually watched it with my ex. Uh, there's a there's a bunch of scenes I remember. I, I remember my brother and I had like the, this awful fighting game based off it for the PC. It's just dreadful. I, I don't remember... There, there are certain scenes in there that I liked, and there's a lot of scenes that uh, I didn't like very much. I, I think I remember like the... Was it the Barbie knockoff? What are those things called? Yeah. The Stacey's oh, yeah. or something? I, I forget what they're called. That that they start playing communication breakdown by Led Zeppelin, which is maybe the first heavy metal song I've ever heard. And they're, they're kind of like Frankenstein together. It just becomes a different movie in that scene. Uh, okay, so so counterpoint. Uh, also within that scene, one of the lines that made me laugh the hardest in the movie is like, so Kirsten Dunst and the kid whose name I don't remember yeah. are like. They're, like, trying to get away, and they're just, like, picking up whatever they can find in a room and, like, swinging it around to, like, hit these things. And she gets a cheerleader baton and starts beating the hell out of them, and one of them yells, Ah! It's the baton death march! (laughs) 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 Which completely caught me off guard. Um, So I think if you revisited this, you would like it a lot more. 
there's so much like I mean it's a Joe Dante movie there's so much like old movie shit in here that like you'll it's the kind of movie that like we would point at and be like I know what that is but like mean it sincerely because we do and uh you know we actually appreciate that kind of dumb shit um yeah way funnier and more enjoyable than I remember it being when I was a kid and I liked this when I was a kid but like I mean, <laughs> they all come out of the fucking garage and their little improvised vehicles made from household goods and War What Is It Good For starts playing. Like, <laughs> they, they, know, they know what they're doing. I just, I, I had a really good time with Small Soldiers. I was very tickled. I think there was a movie I was bitter about growing up. Sorry, go ahead. I, I, yeah, like, like, truthfully, like, my memories of seeing this as a kid are kind of, like, blended together with my memories of seeing shit like cats and dogs. Oh, like insane. To, <laughs> I've had no desire to go back, because I just remember hating it. Well, I, I, I didn't get why. to watch this, and I, that's why I was bitter. It's like, because my sister had just been born a couple of years prior, and it was really hard for us to get a babysitter at the time, so Henry and I couldn't go out to the movies to see it. And I guess we just never rented it from John's video. But, uh, yeah, I, I th- how much later in my life did I watch this? Uh, I must have been in... Must have been after college that I watched it for the first time. I was like, "That's pretty good," you know. It's not Gremlins, but it's still pretty good. Chris, you might want to revisit this. Oh, maybe. Uh, I knowing the kind of movies that I you know make, I've seen. This. I, like I, I'm sure that you have. Yeah. You just described one of the scenes in it. Yeah. Too, so, um, but uh, I, I think like especially with how much you guys have enjoyed Gremlins and Gremlins Two, like it's got a lot of the similar energy there. Like I. This was... <laughs> there were so many things about this movie that I just completely forgotten about. Such as the fact that, like, the the CEO of, like, the military tech company that ends up making the toys is fucking Dennis Leary. Oh, yeah, like, I remember that. Yeah, yeah were you talking about, like, AI and shit? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, and, like, the... the the, the two fucking idiots that end up building the toys are Jay Moore and David Cross. Like, it's... I I enjoyed almost everything about this movie. This is the one movie I watched that was like quote unquote long this week. It's an hour fifty, and if you made me guess at the end of the movie, I would have said like an hour twenty five tops. It is so fucking. Brief. That's an it's hour fifty. So I know, right? Like that. I never would have put it on when I saw that runtime, but you don't feel it at all. Wow. Like I I had a great time. I was real happy with this one. Well. All right. I have a lot to one watch. One more here. My goodness. One more here, and Parker, you might as well keep your watch list open. Yes, sir. All right. Have you guys heard of a movie called The Keep? Oh, no. my God. It looks so good. Uh, yeah, let me give you just the bare-bones details. Uh, so, it is a movie that takes place during World War II. Uh, the Nazis roll into this town, and they... Uh, they go into this spooky old Romanian keep, and there's, like, all these, like, keepers there, and they're like, oh, you guys, you can't stay in here after dark, and this and that, and there's, like, eh, you know, we, we built this to keep something in, not to keep other people out, or, what, you know, all that, so it's like, okay, cool. So it's a bunch of Nazis in this old building that, uh, you know, is, there's some mysterious spirit there or something. Um, it's a, uh, it's another Tangerine Dream soundtrack, always Ooh. good. Um what was this like 83 84 this came out um and you know it's it's nazis and super uh, supernatural shit scott glenn is there for some reason you get a quote-unquote young ian mckellen um the bad nazi is played by gabriel byrne and uh oh by the way this was directed by michael mann 
like <laughs> I follow a bunch of movie nerds, and like once a month I see screenshots from this and Thief, and I'm like, why don't I just watch all of his movies? Like, what am I doing? So it's interesting. It's like I read about this a little bit after I got done, and like apparently, like he's like completely disowned this movie and wants nothing to do with it. But like, if you're the kind of little piggies like us that just love these like simpy eighty movies with like weird practical effects, spooky shit going on, like. I don't want to ruin anything about the plot, but also there's not that much to ruin about the plot. Uh, there might be, there might be like a flesh golem at some point. You know, I I don't know. There could be anything in there. But um, yeah, I had a great time. This movie's all vibes. It's 100% vibes. The plot makes no fucking sense. Doesn't matter. Like if you uh, if you like the kind of 80s movies that we like, you 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 will have a good time with this. I can highly recommend it in that context. For everybody else, like if you don't like that kind of movie, like you're good. Don't worry about it. But Parker, you know who you are. It's fine. It looks so good. It's it was real solid because it's one of those movies where like stuff happens and the movie's like a little bit different for a while, and you're like, well, what the fuck is going on here? Like, why, why, why are we doing this stuff? And then a giant smoke monster saves a woman from being sexually assaulted. Oh, it's like, oh, okay, cool. We're back. It's my love language. Yeah. Um, I believe that is all I have. Uh, yeah, I think so. Um, yeah, go ahead. Parker, what do you got for us? I don't have much at all because we are fully caught up on the boys. Like, halfway into season three now. Y'all, it's really fucking good. <laughs> Turns out, sometimes normies are right about things. Um, I wouldn't talk about it if I didn't enjoy it a lot because it's a TV show which we don't watch. And it's cape shit, sort of, which we also don't watch or talk about on here. Man, it's really good. The guy who plays Homelander, I'm fucking obsessed with him. His facial acting, and how easily he just, like, barely keeps his absolute contempt for everyone off of his face. Like, the way his smile will just kind of flicker as he's trying to talk to someone he deems as beneath him. It's beautiful. I don't know why, like, every hero on this show is some actor I've never heard of before, because they're all great casting. Usually a show like this, like, it would just be a bunch of fucking stunt casting, like, on, like, every Disney Plus show, you're like, oh, you just, like, pick together these guys. Like, why would Ethan Hawke be in a Moon Knight show? But it's all a bunch of nobodies. Well, apparently that guy's good, but I'd, I've never watched Banshee. No one... I've never oh, met... Dude, Banshee rips. That's all you had to say to me. Oh, all right. We well, found hey, good him. news. The... Ba- Banshee's actually really good, but, uh... Yes, one of the main guys from Banshee plays, like, the Superman clone. It's... It's really good. I want to talk about it for hours. <laughs> My dad's not on this episode. I, so. spoil anything. I, 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 I'm, I'm getting close to the point where I've got no choice but to watch it because people keep talking to me about it. So, uh, give me a couple weeks. Yeah. I'll get caught up. So, on one hand, I don't love hour-long episodes <coughs> because you know me and my fidgetiness. But the seasons are eight episodes each. Like, you can bang those out. Yeah, absolutely solid. Um, Chris would love to talk to your dad about the giant, <laughs> gigantic. Practical effects. Oh, he was. It's. it's He really enjoyed that scene in particular. (laughs) He was loudly telling me that at the bar. There was no music playing, so everyone could hear him. He just. Oh, you know what? Real ones know. Yeah, great show. I will stick this one out to the end, which is goes against my instinct because my instinct is I will wait till it's over. Tell me if I'm wasting my time or not, and then I will watch it. I've had enough friends get burned by Lost and Dexter and Walking Dead. That I just will not do it. But I'm all in on this one. It's really mm-hmm. fucking good. So the movie I want to talk about, and this is a this is an Alex special right here. A film I found on Netflix, the world's favorite streaming service, 
called Acts of Vengeance. Scott Atkins in this? Uh-oh. So, uh, this is, well, <laughs> close enough. This, the <laughs> director, um, he has made several Scott Atkins movies. We're talking all three Undisputed sequels and both Ninja movies. <laughs> both ninja so movies. it's that director. But this movie stars Antonio Banderas. Okay. So Alex is locked in. He's your typical workaholic dad, and he worked at this law firm, and he's just busy all the time, always working. He can't be there for his kids. Chris, you just watched Liar Liar, right? Yeah, I did. It's that. Oh, okay. You know, working all the time, loves his kid, wants to be there, but oh, he's always getting calls last minute, so he gets stuck in traffic, and he misses. Insert big recital here. All that shit. And then his wife and child die. And now he has to go on a revenge mission. But first... He blames himself because he thinks, oh, if I'd only been there, things would have been different. As if, like, this loudmouth lawyer would have, like, fought off what we find out is the Russian mafia. Because, of course, it is. <laughs> so, uh, he goes and discovers underground MMA fights. And he's like, damn, I'm going to let these dudes just beat my ass. as like atonement for letting my family die. Enter Detective Carl Urban, who's doing the most... Hello, I am an American police cop voice, which is really good for me. Um, He sees a woman being propositioned and decides to step in because he doesn't want to see another woman suffer the same fate as his wife and daughter. And these dudes just beat the dog shit out of him. And they kick his ass, really rough him up, and they kick him through a storefront window. And this is the point where this becomes one of the most dudes rock movies I've ever seen in my life. Because Hell yeah. he's bleeding all over, and he reaches over to grab a book to cut to like plug up the blood and cover his wounds. And what he grabs is Meditations by Marcus Aurelius, and he decides to be to look into stoicism. <laughs> <laughs> we get a training montage of this dude like learning jujitsu and karate. And there's a shot of him like just sitting at a coffee table, and there's just copies of The Art of War and Bushido the Samurai Code sitting on the table next to him. <laughs> he becomes the most Sigma male grind set guy in history. <laughs> the rest of the movie is just armed with like Courage Wolf quotes and fucking jujitsu training, and he takes a vow of silence and goes to fight the Russian mafia. This movie has chapter breaks. And every chapter title is a different Marcus Aurelius quote. <laughs> it is the coolest thing I've ever seen in my life. Holy shit, dude. It is a masterpiece. Now, like, it's not Scott Atkins level because he is a level we can all aspire to. But, like, there's a lot of long takes in the fight scenes. Like, it's not just hacked together in post. It's, it's pretty good. I had a wonderful time. I died every single time. It would just cut to him, like, doing squats and then just jump cut to him reading the Book of Five Rings and then cutting to him in jiu-jitsu class. It is so fucking good. It is on Netflix. If you know, you know. That's about it for me, because, like I said, uh, the boys' episodes are an hour long. There were a lot of them. So let's try and make sense of what the fuck Rollerball is, gang. <laughs> we might be here a while. Yep. <coughs> oh boy. All right. Well. Well. This is by John McTiernan. John McTiernan was 
a very, very well-known filmmaker. He had directed uh, Predator, The Hunt for Red October, Die Hard, The Last Action Hero. This guy was fairly well-known. And then he directed Rollerball. And it feels like <laughs> there's another part of the story that we should talk about. Should we talk about it now, or should we save it till later? I think we should talk about it now. <laughs> the, uh, we yeah. might as well talk about it. Uh, the wiretapping story. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you might be wondering, uh, <laughs> why did John McTiernan not direct anything super well-known after, you know, Predator, The Hunt for Red October, Die Hard, The Last Action Hero. You might think he'd be bigger into movies and stuff. Well, uh, during the making of Rollerball, apparently a very important movie to him, he uh, he got the impression that one of the producers on the movie was, I don't know, I guess changing things behind his back or communicating with the studio behind his back or something like that. So he paid another guy to wiretap this guy, which, uh, as it turns out, not allowed very frowned upon the United States of America. So he got into a whole bunch of trouble for that. And uh, I, th- I think he have, uh, confessed to the FBI or whoever the investigating body was. And uh, then they were just like, yeah, something smells fishy about this guy. Let's do some more investigation. Turns out he had wiretapped a whole bunch of other people. I think apparently he wiretapped his, his ex-wife or something like that. So he got into a whole bunch of trouble. He went to prison for a very, very long time. And uh, is in severe debt and is trying to make movies now and uh, it's just not working out. So, uh, <laughs> wiretapping over rollerball. <laughs> Come on, guys. Give him another shot. Yeah. <laughs> Come on. Well, you know what they say. Once you, once you do one wiretap, you just can't help yourself. Yeah, exactly. It's like eating Pringles. You just need your you fix. Just have one. Yeah. The man did Predator yeah. and Die Hard. Like, who gives a shit? Come on. Seriously. Woody Allen gets away with what he did and we're over wiretapping? Brian Singer has gotten 18 second chances. Yeah, exactly. Bring back... He never made The Hunt for Red October. That's all yeah. I'm saying. He made right. fucking yeah. X-Men. Piss off. Yeah. John McTiernan has made great movies like Rollerball. He made the Thomas Crown Affair where Pierce Brosnan has sex with women and steals art. That's all we've ever wanted. I've yeah. ever gotten. <laughs> I think apparently in prison he was like working on a sequel to that, like the Thomas Crown Affair Two or something. And uh, Pierce Brosnan would do it. He does everything now. Let's get it. He sure does. Well, uh, I guess we could talk about the movie now. This movie starts with people on the sit-down skateboards and they're going downhill (laughs) while a brutal miscalculation of like, what do kids think is cool? Now, Parker, Parker, uh, for seven hundred bonus points which you can use at the bonus points store. Uh, can you tell me the name of the band that's playing the song during this scene? Oh, fuck. Not this one. I wrote down many I know. Bands, I actually had to look this, this one, one up. This is by a band called Beautiful Creatures. You know, for all that? you fans out there. It's, Beautiful Creatures didn't even have a song on Tony Hawk, so as far as I'm concerned, they're not even real. Great get yeah, for that. Here though. we go. You're in a John wow. McTiernan movie. Game respect game. So, they're... Sit down skateboarding down a mountain. It basically looks like the downhill jam level from Tony Hawk. And I. Th- no, no, no. This is the first level of Sonic Adventure. Oh, okay. I was going to say, yeah. just say City Escape. Oh, okay. Like, that's what we're saying. And are they transporting drugs or, or nuclear weapons or something? Why are they meeting with that one guy in a behind the scenes? Or is he just paying them to race really fast? <laughs> he just. Because if I had a lot of money, that, I would probably that do was that. What I- <laughs> That was what I assumed this scene was. I assumed this was, you know, the scene at the beginning of Too Fast, Too Furious, where they're doing illegal street luge mm-hmm. races. And uh, 
Like, th- there's got to be some sort of promoter that holds the money, I guess? I don't know. I kind of think that may be it, because... I, the only thing that makes me doubt this is they send the cops after these guys. <laughs> they're they're going down into the city and they send cops with sirens. <laughs> Can you imagine your sit down skateboard like, like going in between and under cars and stuff like that? And you hear wee 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 behind you, like pull over to the side of the road, Shredder Man. What what the fuck? We are can't we doing? get cops to fucking open a door at a school, but they send like <laughs> five cars after Auto Rocket. And Twister. So hey, hey! Good. Somebody said a dog might have been in danger. Yeah. It's fine. <laughs> well, uh, hero, hero. Uh, what our hero, by the way, is uh, Chris Klein. Uh, that's not the guy from American Pie. Yeah. No, no, not that yeah, one. The other one. No, not that guy. <laughs> no, not Shermanator. No, not Ben Affleck's brother. No, the guy who sings the Shubudubop song of that one. Yeah, that yeah, guy. Yeah. yeah, we had to put him That's in your here. Star. So he is the lead. We have to see him throughout most of the movie. It's just the way it goes. Anyway, he is saved from those cops from the 4-0 by LL Cool J, who pulls him off his sit-down skateboard and into his car, and they just talk as if they've been there, the like, they've been with each other the whole time. Apparently, uh, Jay is just back in town, uh, just you know, happened to be looking for Chris Klein here. And after he pulls him off the street and says, hey, how about you join my new sports team? It's uh, it's kind of like hockey and lacrosse, except really fucking stupid. Uh, but then he says something that really stuck. He says, you get 5K just for trying out. Dude, give me my lacrosse pads. Give me a pair of roller skates. I'll do almost anything for 5k, alright? I'll eat a bug, alright? Just put me out there. That's 5k, I'm totally doing it. Also, this guy's doing sit-down skateboarding for money. Clearly, he could use the cash. But also, uh, someone who's, you know, spent a lot of time on the internet. Hey, uh, you want to fly out to Kazakhstan? They'll totally pay you when they get there. It's like, oh, cool. I sure hope I don't get trafficked. I would hate that so much. Fair point. I mean, he actually has a bit of a dilemma because he's like, oh, yeah, I don't know, I'll think about it. And uh, LL Cool J is like, all right, see you later. And he goes to what I guess is the exterior of his apartment. He sees the cops are looking for this rebellious sit-down skateboarder and decides he would have an easier time in Kazakhstan. (laughs) Uh, Parker. The block is too hot and the NHL is not Parker, for 10,000 bonus points to be used at the bonus point store. Can you tell me the name of his rollerball team? Absolutely not. <laughs> not with a gun to my head. It's the Zombell Horseman. <laughs> Alright, right, hold on. Prove, you can't just be making shit it. up on this Fucking podcast. Fucking prove it, dude. <laughs> That's... This was the first instance of... Did I black out for a second? Because the preceding scene is LL Cool J being like, hey man, you should really come play with me. He's like, nah man, NHL's going to sign me. He's like, alright, cool. And then we jump ahead to the hottest player in all of rollerball, Jonathan. Yeah, they don't even, just at least put in a title card for five seconds that says ten years later or something. Like, Give me something to work with. He's on the team. He has rapport with everyone. He has different chemistry with different people. Yeah. He's like notorious for like being a ball hog. It's like, wait, I'm not saying I want to see every game, but I I did sign up to see a movie called Rollerball. Right, right exactly. Can I have maybe his first game out there? Well, uh, I, I guess this is 
probably a good time to talk about rollerball itself. I don't just mean the sport, I also mean the story. This is based on, I think it was what, a novella or something like that? That got turned into a 1975 movie. It turns out none of us were diligent enough to actually watch that movie. Fuck no. <laughs> uh, apparently the 1975 you know what movie, that movie doesn't have is Slipknot. That's a good so point. We'll get, we'll get to Slipknot. It. But uh, apparently the 1975 one is better received, it's more accurate, and it tells a, it would have to a story of like... Yeah, yeah like by default. It tells a yes. story of like social inequality, some bullshit or whatever. And this one has Paul Heyman. So... The thing about <laughs> so we'll get to Paul Heyman. He should be fucking fourth build. It's insane. He's on screen more than John Renault. Yeah, is. is it Reno or Renault? You know, I, I speak care. French and I don't know this. I'm anyway, anyway. So the thing about this is, uh, I wasn't even thinking of. I, I think this movie has less in common with the 1975 Rollerball and way more in common with Future Sport. Because this whole movie, 100%. it looks like Future Sport, but with, like, a lighting budget, you know? It is the most Blurnsball-ass game I've ever <laughs> seen in my life. I don't know what the fuck the rules are. They go in a fucking tunnel, and there's motorcycles, but not everyone yeah, has only, them. I don't, I, by the I way, I would be the motorcycle guy. Give me the mo- Well, depending on what happens to guys later on in the movie, that depends. <laughs> I would give anything for this to be real, yeah. but also it's incomprehensible. Well, you know, you're not the only This person. is what cricket is to me. Parker, you're not the only person who doesn't understand the rules. Paul Heyman at one point says that the rules are too complicated for him and don't really matter. All you need to know is you need to score to win. Parker, can you please tell me about Thank Paul you. Heyman? Well, uh, you remember a little company back in the day called ECW? Vaguely, yes. Well, he was in charge of that. And uh, at one point, uh, those checks stopped cashing. They ran out of money. They got bought by WWF. And at this point, I'm pretty sure he was uh, doing commentary with JR. So <laughs> he was like their lead commentator. Oh my god. This is what, 2002? Yeah, so he was a part of the weekly broadcast. <laughs> he was a big deal. And I don't know why he's in this movie. I don't know why Shane McMahon's in this movie. <laughs> By the way, I think I blinked and I missed Shane McMahon's cameo. What does, what does he say or do? He looks. Oh, oh! He's, yeah, it's like, oh, it. and we even have Shane McMahon here. There he that is. Immediately, like, oh, they must have had producer. Motivation. Oh yeah, that's yeah, that's it. probably you know something like that's how you get Paul Heyman. Paul Heyman is <laughs> just riffing on the mic, and there's one scene where there's like they're doing like a thing here. I feel like there's like some really, really half, not even half-ass, like quarter-ass social commentary going on in this movie, and. One of the scenes, it's like, oh, here's here's some social commentary for you. Rollerball is popular. Lots of different countries love it. I'm like, okay, and what are you what are you trying to say about that? Because like they're they're like these two Asian announcers like next to Paul Heyman, and he kind of gives them a look, and I'm just like, was he anti Asian? I don't know if he is, but apparently the movie's producers were because one of their notes uh, from the studio to uh, to John McTiernan was that the movie was, and I quote, too Asian. Man, they try to make it today. It's going to be eight different Chinese announcements. Yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> this movie ain't in Kazakhstan, I'll tell you that much. Yeah. Oh, also We're in Beijing, that. Well. And everyone's having a great time. So We all love it here. We love how friendly and accommodating the government yeah, is. Yeah, uh, so... 
the other what is a quarter at social commentary it's like oh there's a a lot of violence it's basically like what if they made jacked up into its own sport which by the way i would watch i would be like i would pay for this on pay-per-view if i had to uh they all a lot of them have a lot of money in the clubs and there's beautiful women all around and it doesn't really add up to anything really uh, who are the bad guys the bad guys are i'm gonna say reno that's just how it is in my head i don't know john reno's in this he's a bad guy and that is not m night Shyamalan. Also, Correct. I. Very yeah, by the way, yeah. Alex, I. <laughs> Glad you uh, Alex, I looked it up. It's also not the guy from. Uh, uh, I su- don't care. Success. He, I actually recognize him from his voice. I actually do know a movie I saw him in. I saw him in uh, Planet Terror. He's uh, that one guy who's like, I want your balls. And uh, he licks his lips. <laughs> so uh, this guy had other movies <laughs> in addition to Planet Terror. Uh, and again, too Asian, I guess. <coughs> so, uh, the how does rollerball work? Well, they're in an arena that looks like. Yeah, tell me. What if they made like a fucking um, uh, laser tag uh, arena into like a Tony Hawk's Pro Skater skate park or something? And you throw a ball. I, at first, I thought you throw it into this thing that looks like a tuba, but it turns out there's there really isn't a hole in there. It's just like a thing. You could just hit the the pan anywhere, and it records a point. Because at first, I thought a girl had like slam dunked it, and it just bounced out, and they counted the point anyway. I was like, wow, bad editing. That I had to delete that because there is no way to throw it into a hole if there is no hole there. Uh, you skate around, and you can uh, check other people with your bodice. And uh, some people can ride uh, motorcycles, some of them can't, I don't know. Uh, you know, it's weird, it's John McTiernan apparently uh, cut out a lot of the social commentary. He thought, people don't want to see that, people just want to see Rollerball. But he didn't really show a whole lot of Rollerball. I thought there was going to be a whole lot more. He didn't really do anything with the it. The people are coming <laughs> yeah. to see some Rollerball yeah. action. <laughs> hey, how does Rollerball like, like, work? Doesn't matter! Yeah. <laughs> Some more rollerball would have been sick until you realize it would have made this movie longer. And it's like, oh, no, yeah, that's a good point. I'm, I'm actually good with this amount yeah. of rollerball. This so, is fine. Uh, he's on a team with LL Cool J, who plays, uh, I don't know, Position X. And there's another girl there. This is, how do you pronounce her name, Parker? You don't. Oh. Well, whatever she is, she's a she's a she was the original um, Mystique in the X Men movies. It's like the lettuce, Chris. <laughs> Alright, so Iceberg is in this And uh, she, what was her character's name? I, so, I looked up on the Wikipedia And the Wikipedia might be wrong Because it says she plays Black Widow And no one ever calls her that during this movie They just, uh, what are they? Yeah, all of these people get nicknames And not a single person uses Yeah, she, she everyone calls her Aurora No one ever calls her the Black Widow So, I don't know Anyway, someone gets hurt really bad Someone gets injured uh, I I don't know. There looks like a guy who's like the toy master. Does he have like a little stick with a mask on it? <laughs> and I was just waiting for him to say, "I demand more toys." <laughs> anyway, uh, Parker. Hey, I, I'm just I, I'm just glad that uh, that Vontae's perfect got to catch this check. <laughs> Parker, can you please tell me uh, which band plays during the first game? Because I wrote it down. So for <sighs> this is only for fifty bonus points. So. It's not Slipknot yet, No, right? this is P.O.D. They start off with P.O.D. They play Here Comes the Boom. <laughs> oh, shit, that's right. I did right Like, if we were making a parody of an early 2000s movie, we'd be like, all right, and then Here Comes the Boom plays with a sick <laughs> montage. And they're like, no, this is good. You guys like this, yeah. right? Anyway, a player gets illegally bopped on the noggin, 
and all of a sudden the movie kind of feels like it becomes like Carnival of Souls or something. Like everything slows Dude. down. Like the guys fall into slow motion. I am, I'm not supposed to laugh as hard as I did. But his wailing cries as he's carted <laughs> off for like 30 straight seconds. So I, I thought that Chris Klein, initially I couldn't tell, because well, obviously I don't know what the fucking rules are for this. But uh, apparently he just signals to the house band to play a heavy metal chase song. And that was the one I was going to play on voice mod. <laughs> I wanted to play that song. He just bangs the glass and like... Oh, sick. yeah, and, 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 and the band is just like, oh, yes, sir. Dun, 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 And then, see, the reason I want to play it is, like, it sounds like a pretty cool song. It almost feels like this is, a like, a shark that's chasing someone in the water. This is, like, really intimidating. And then someone starts playing an organ. What the fuck? He just took this song from, like, kind of badass to, like, why does this come out in, like, the 1960s? So I loved it, obviously. Uh, and they just decide they'll start checking the other team. One of which has like a gold. I think he's the one who looks like the toy master. One of the guys gets checked so hard he does the Elway helicopter. Uh, <laughs> and I think the Zombell horsemen end up winning. I couldn't tell. Uh, I I think there was a scoreboard at some point. And there's a bunch of different shots. It doesn't of matter. Like, uh, like the Don't ratings or whatever. It. The number of millions of people who are watching. Oh, the the ratings go up when people see violence. I'm like, okay, yeah. What are we gonna do about it? What is this, what is the commentary here? So, it's it's such it's such a good plot device because it's like, you you remember this comes out in twenty, two thousand two, so like, what, what were people? It's like oh shit, this guy just got decapitated. I have to call my friends to tell them to turn this on. <laughs> like they they weren't otherwise gonna be watching, but now that the violence happened, everyone is rushing to their TVs in this game that takes twenty minutes. Bro, wake up. I know it's 3.30 in the morning here because this is in Kazakhstan, but you've got to check this out. This fat dude just got hit in the head. He went, oh, oh, as they carted him off. It's so fucking sick, bro. Anyway, LL Cool J and Chris Klein leave the stadium victorious, and they drive their really expensive cars really fast to a Kazakhstan club. <laughs> This movie is like 91 minutes and it's too yeah. long. <laughs> it's just this fucking last one there is a PS scene while they're trying to fucking get to the club. It's just like, it's, it's so stupid and unnecessary, but also it tells me everything I need to know about these characters who uh, don't have character yeah. traits. I, yeah, I was going to say, like, I think it, there's also like another quarter-assed uh, scene where they're like, oh, the citizens are poor. So what the fuck do you want me to do about it? I don't. I don't get. Well, it's not Chris Klein's responsibility. <laughs> no, it, it, I mean, it, it comes into play later when we get to we'll the get miners. To that, yeah. but, uh, <laughs> so uh, this is also a scene. No, not those miners. Yeah. The other miners. This is also a, a scene where it's a sex scene between Chris Klein and Aurora. I want to. By the way, I saw titties in this, and this was PG thirteen. The only other time I've seen yeah, a PG thirteen with titties in it was Titanic. I didn't know that people were allowed to do that. I thought as soon as you see at least one nipple, it's like an R rating. So, guess I was wrong. Look, Rebecca Romaine's not See, like you do know how to say actress. I got yeah. you. But um, I'm even sitting here watching this like, you don't have to get topless for Rollerball. Yeah, like, exactly. Have some self-respect, yeah. man. <laughs> 
X-Men made like a hundred million dollars. You don't have to do Yeah, this. I felt kind of bad for her because he like slams her into this metal grate and she laughs. I was like, oh God, that doesn't look pleasant at all. I don't think I want to have sex with Chris Klein. So. She looks like the fucking lady from Zoolander in this entire movie. <laughs> I was going to say I bought a whole lot. <laughs> that also <laughs> works. <laughs> anyway, yeah. Apparently she and Chris Klein are an item now. Uh, doesn't mean anything to me, but uh, I don't know. I just kind of feel bad for getting slammed into the middle grate. Uh, then they decide that they're going to go to... I don't remember which Asian country. Was it Japan? Was it China? I, I couldn't tell. Uh, I just remember that there is a really brief like shot of like these skinny shirtless asian guys who are about to dance to wooly bully and then it ab- <laughs> and then it abruptly cuts to rob zombie <laughs> two rob zombie needle drops in this <laughs> it was very very strange to me i don't i don't know why they were doing it uh oh yeah by the way some of the uh rollerball teams have haka dances which uh hey i'm in favor of that it doesn't make sense, but don't yeah, worry well, about I'm it. I'm going to fucking complain. I like how our team of heroes is just like one of every nationality, and that's supposed to mean something, I guess. Yeah, it's and then everyone else is just Russian. Brotherhood and equality. Maybe Google it. <laughs> is it are, is uh, Jonathan like the Jackie Robinson of rollerball? <laughs> he broke the color. <laughs> <laughs> he broke the Yankee barrier. He was the first real American there. Uh, anyway, uh... I, I think Rebecca Romaine is uh, driving the the motorcycle, and it almost gets blown up uh, because someone like put a bomb in it or something like that. There was like a sabotage thing in the first uh, match that we didn't really need to talk about. And John Rado is like doing it covertly to like raise the ratings because more violence means more viewers, corruption stuff like that. And this one, he she gets pulled off her about to explode uh, motorcycle by LL Cool J, who also almost dies on his motorcycle because it goes flying up over like the the grating surrounding the arena. And I was like, that probably landed on at least six spectators. So, oh yeah, hundred percent. They're all yeah. Dead. There's a lot of near motorcycle death in this. Uh, for example, I guess we could talk about the the night vision scene. <laughs> what the fuck? Yeah. Boing. Oh, dude. I if I had fucking voice mod working right now, I would play that fucking Hanna Barbera boing scene. <laughs> that sound. Oh my god, they're right behind us. He plays at least three fucking times. I actually counted. I was like, wait, why is this in here? I thought there was like, I thought my laptop was open in like another room. But it was just fucking playing Tom and Jerry or something. <laughs> I. I I can't believe they use, of all things, that sound effect. Why? I wonder if we can, like, get in touch with John McTiernan. Now that he's out of prison, he probably could do this for, like, 75 bucks. Be like, so, uh, what was up with the boy? It'd probably be thing? easier to get in contact with him if we could go visit yeah, him. Well. <laughs> so, boy. Yeah, that way he could get John, you a visitor. <laughs> can you talk to the... I have some questions about Rollerball. I watch Rollerball! <laughs> <laughs> why? I have... Why did you choose that sound? What what sound? I haven't thought of that movie in 20 years. Alright, sit here and watch it with me. <laughs> here, don't worry, I have it downloaded to my phone. You <laughs> just, like, hold it up to the glass. He's looking look away every once in a while. <laughs> I was like, oh yeah. So your time's almost up. Alright, I'll be back tomorrow. Okay, Alright, can you let us stay a little bit later? I'll let you watch uh, Rollerball with us. Okay, got like 40 more minutes. <laughs> <laughs> no, this is the good part. Yeah, also, by the way, maybe it was because I was so busy writing down the boy oing sound effect, but like... 
what what was going on with the plane and the motorcycle? What what was happening there? I didn't even get it. Uh, so they were trying to get across uh. the border for some reason. I think it's because they wanted to quit rollerball, but they didn't know how, so they had to leave the country, <laughs> and then a plane was chasing them. I don't know. Okay. They get chased through the Kazakhstan desert because they don't want to play rollerball. <laughs> it's around this point where you're like, okay, why does this movie exist? Because there's no plot. It's just, ah, this, this game, it's getting more violent, and people like violence, and these guys don't want to play anymore. But they have to. Good. Let's go ahead and spend $50 million on it. It's foolproof. It's a great concept. I, man, if only they managed to get away with only spending $50 million. Right, yeah. <laughs> so uh, then LL Cool J gets sniped after a sick motorcycle jump. <laughs> <laughs> I... I, I, if, if I was to go out I don't want to die but if I had to choose a way to die at least get, let me get a sick motorcycle jump in there first right that's all I want do we get Dukes of Hazard jump and then getting sniped by some sport company CFO is really funny honestly <laughs> just getting absolutely dome shotted by Roger Goodell <laughs> because you don't want to play for the Raiders anymore. <laughs> yes uh, well now he has to play without his best friend uh, and Aurora decides to do some Belichickian locker room reconnaissance. By <laughs> <laughs> just standing half naked. Just fucking standing in the doorway T-posing. Have we, have we mentioned that they traded her to the other team that they were playing because of plot reasons? It's like, oh, I have to get my girlfriend away from the bad stuff. This is another one of those movies where I feel like we all, like, notice other things that other people didn't. Not like we picked, ooh, little subtle things with, like, half of us. We couldn't follow, like, two-thirds of the fucking plot here. Yeah, it's like, oh, yeah, no, sorry, I was on my phone during the plane. Yeah, sorry, I didn't fucking... I didn't know that she got traded away. I I thought something like that happened, but I didn't know the reason, though. I didn't... didn't, It's a real Uh, Taekwondo Underwood situation. Right, yeah. No, I, I got you. I, I got you covered in this one. So Jonathan asked John Reno to trade her away so she'd be away from danger when they tried to murder the shit out of him during a rollerball game. So he's like, yeah, sure, I'll do it. And then just trade her to the other team in yeah. the game. Well, she's in the locker room and she's uh, giving them warm Gatorade and stuff like that. And she overhears them talking. Something. And again, you're right. She is just standing she's just half naked. St- <laughs> She's like a glitched NPC just standing there while they go, ah, here's that special weapon you ordered. <laughs> like the idea of her like clipping into the lockers, T-posing, <laughs> like making a whole bunch of noises and trying to discuss strategies. Hey, Sean, yeah, the game, I can't turn my quest. It's not working. I'm, I'm, yeah, I tried reloading the save state. She's just standing there half I'm, I'm naked. pressing crouch, I'm pressing crouch. Can you, guys, can you guys hear me? Can I? Am I coming through? What's, uh, what's going on? <laughs> Watches the whole thing and then the bodyguard goes, What are you doing? And then she just leaves. Yeah, she just walks past him. (laughs) So here's one that I uh, I quite enjoyed. Uh, Paul Heyman gets a note. What is this? I've never seen anything like this in my life. This is most unorthodox. The final game will be played with no fouls called, no penalties enforced. Maybe this is not even a game anymore. Anything can happen out there, people. Hey, I'm not playing. <laughs> I'm not going out there. No fouls. That guy's a motorcycle. <laughs> no I'm fouls. Done. Worst. 
It's just gonna be a bloodbath. <laughs> They're just gonna kill each other. Okay, I get it. Yeah, the quarter at social commentary. It's just like, oh yeah, violence. Some people like to watch it. Okay, yeah, what's, what's the remedy here? What are, you, what are you trying to do? Yeah, you know, people just uh, so desensitized. The only thing they want is violence. Like, bro, you may die hard. Don't fucking talk. Don't yeah. patronize me. How dare <laughs> you? The other thing here is that, like, uh, they have battle axes now. Uh, <laughs> look, as soon as I see the battle axe, I just, I would forfeit, actually. What, I'm, I'm going to get paid either way. I don't fucking have to do this. Hey, Sean, do we get those? <laughs> oh, then I quit. <laughs> I'm easy. just going to walk away from the battle axe now. Goodbye, sir. <laughs> That's the only way they could create drama. It's like, well, this Quidditch game doesn't really fucking work. Um, no rules. They can kill each other. Here's your last 20 minutes. As the theater slowly empties of people filing out, be like, it's. I feel like I can still get my money back. They couldn't. Well, uh, the movie... Action-packed finale. Yeah, by the way, the movie doesn't really end, it just kind of stops. <laughs> yeah, there's there's no conclusion. Everyone comes back to play in the last game, and then, it, like, fucking Oz keeps getting beat up, and he's like, I hear no bell, everyone get out of here. And then I, the game ends? I don't remember. Well, no, the it's the the the, the poor yeah. workers are like, oh, we agree that rollerball is evil. Let's start a revolution. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's yeah. Thanks. Right. That's like, there's a scene of them in like in like the crowd. And they're like, what if we don't watch this anymore? What if we want a piece of the pie? Hey, man, <laughs> if you mess with Spider Man, yeah, you exactly. mess with all of us, <laughs> and they just murder Sean. Yeah. <laughs> All of his bodyguards are just overtaken like a zombie. Right, horde. exactly. <laughs> this is this is especially more fun if you've ever seen uh, the because f- I, I I keep thinking about the the mass nude minor scene in Chernobyl. Uh, when I say minor, by the way, that's spelled with an e. Just want to make that clear. Anyway, like sure, the I- R- rough podcast for the Smash Brothers. <laughs> on to uh, like just the idea of all of them taking over this truck and then. Like I said, it just kind of stops. It's just like, and now we'll work for a better place, and there's going to be stricter rules in Roller... Or, or what the fuck ever, I don't know. I, I feel like this movie is kind of torn between two places. Like, it, this could either be like, oh, futuristic, this is kind of like The Running Man, but with roller skates. Or it could just be like, hey, it's like The Running Man, but with roller skates. And you gotta pick one. And it kind of feels like it's pulled in two different directions here. So what I'm saying is, free my boy, John McTier... Apparently he's already out of prison, so... Hey, the people won't stand for all this violence in media anymore, okay? They're going to stand up and attack. It's like, you made a living off of violence in media. What are you talking about? Quit pre- You're the one that took this script and went, let's take all this social commentary out of here. It's like, but but that's the end of the movie. Yeah. That's the entire third act. It feels kind of bare bones. And yet, I guess there is something about violence. Again, the soundtrack is pure 2002. <laughs> I... Yeah, my Durango. It's <laughs> <laughs> the last thing you hear before it cuts to black. <laughs> I actually listened to the whole end credit. This is the only time I waited for an end credits like uh, thing, just just because I wanted to listen to more Rob Zombie. <laughs> like this movie is like four rollerball games spliced together with three uncharismatic people going. I don't know. I don't know if I can trust him. 
And then just cut to another rollerball game where Slipknot's digitally inserted into the fucking movie like Tig Notaro. <laughs> it's so cool. They're not even there. Oh, yeah. It Slipknot. This movie fucking stinks. <laughs> Imagine, like, they're in the replacement refs era of, like, after that fucking Seahawks-Packers game, just swarms of angry townspeople in Wisconsin murdered Roger Goodell. By the way, that's that's another thing. There's You don't see any striped shirts in this one. Can you imagine, like, having to be a referee? And, like, you, that should be the only guy who's allowed to have, like, a motorcycle. Everyone else is on skates, so the ref gets a motorcycle. Maybe oh, he's, yeah. like, it's just Tony Hawk. He gets, like, a skateboard. He can do all their stuff. <laughs> Oh, no. ah! And that's the tea, sis.